Welcome back to another episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing fine. We finally got what we deserved, right? Uh, you keep playing with fire. Eventually, you're going to get burned. Yeah. Um, Too many double-digit uh, deficits in the second half. But, on the good news, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, the good news is we're 11-1. and one. We played a bunch of tough teams. Our national reputation is good. Uh, and we have a lot to, you know, a lot on the defensive end at least to learn from. And maybe on the offensive end in terms of usage and shot selection. We have guys playing pretty decently well off the bench. We have the freshmen are absolutely as advertised, at least on the offensive end. Um, there's no, you know, Bagley's better than we could have imagined, especially on offense. And uh, so we're fine. We're 11 to 1. We're not hitting the panic button. But what's there to panic about? There's nothing to panic about at all. But uh, there's nothing to panic about. But, but there's but a lot we, to we, be concerned about. We should about. address. Yeah. Um, like, let's go back to the last pod. You know, the last thing Ricky said was, you know, we're like, well, you know, what are you expecting? He's like, if we don't win the national championship, I'll be very disappointed. I just think those are really unrealistic expectations. You know, like that's the, that's well, like, we're gonna be ecstatic if it happens. But just because we're ranked number one and we've got all these studs, I still think... Like, well, it's a crapshoot. The tournament's have, yeah. a crapshoot. We always talk about that. Well, we have to but. accept the fact that I think people are too high on this team. Like, it's going to lose a, a handful of games. I mean, that's just... I didn't think it'd be BC. I thought it'd be a better team, <laughs> but... One of our friends was texting <laughs> us of every time we won the game and we only had this many to go and, to have an undefeated season. Right. And that that friend, wasn't going to happen the way this team plays right. defense. But that friend... I'm sure is representative of a pretty big majority of Duke fans. No, I don't think. I don't think. You don't think don't so. Think Most so. people are more, to, more sophisticated and more to, educated about people that math go, and. Uh, I actually think people that they're really big Duke fans are are very sophisticated basketball fans. They're, look, really? generally pretty smart people, and they they may be feverish when they're in the stadium, like Kevin Crazies are feverish, but. I mean, even back when we were undergrads, I remember. I mean, I know not all the Duke fans went to Duke, so I'm not meaning to leave anyone out here, but at least the, the people that went to the school obviously are, are, are bright in some ways. A lot, of, a lot of total morons go to Duke, no doubt about it. But um, common sense-wise, maybe not acad as much academically. But even academically, I was awful. Anyhow, the... We could save that for a, a future podcast. The basketball discussions were always, like... You know, in my experience, we're always pretty nuanced uh, with, okay. with my friends. So then, would you say you disagreed with Ricky when he said we're going to win the national championship? Or like, well, and, and I'm not trying to like. He said no. I'm he not made trying a, to ding him. I'm just saying like he's not alone. He made an enthusiastic prediction. Yeah. Whenever the he thinks we should be the best team in the country right. is kind of what he meant. I mean, he thinks we should win the yeah. national championship. Nobody should because nobody's. It's very rare. Nobody's that team. far above and beyond. Like this, can we at least agree that this is not a dominant team? This is not a dominant this is, team. This is nothing like the '99 team. Nothing like it right. yet. Could it be that good? Possibly, possibly somewhat. They're not as old. Like that '99 team had Elton Brand, who was a sophomore. Had Battier, who was a sophomore. Had Nate James, who was a fifth-year senior. Nate James was like the ninth guy on the team. Trajan was a four, fourth, or really a fifth-year player yeah. also. He was a fifth-year senior. Wait, well, Nate James came in a year later. So Nate must have been a fourth-year junior on that team. Yeah. 
James came in in '95. Chet Langney came I in. I think in James was like both a, redshirted a year. James was like a redshirt sophomore. He didn't maybe. sit out two years. Did he? Anyhow, there was a lot of experience in that team between Carwell, Nate James, Trajan Langdon. Um, you so, know, there was there was guys, there were upperclassmen right. on that team Mostly that were sophomores. that were really good, and even the they weren't freshmen; they were sophomores, like Elton Brand and Burgess and yeah. you know uh, Battier and Avery. We had very few freshmen contributing. Corey Maggette was the only only one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, from a maturity perspective, physical physical maturity and depth, and and demolishing de- defensive skill, demolishing teamwork, ranked teams, demolished. Yeah, demolishing ranked teams, very teams, 20, 30, 40, 15. Two close you know, games there, all year. There were a few close games, but we, we lost you, Cincinnati early in the if season. If you look at this yeah. team outside of like St. Francis and North Dakota and that type of caliber of teams, right. like. It's really sort of not struggled, but it has not been convincing against Indiana, Florida, in, um, in spurts, Texas. In spurts, it's been convincing. B, even right? BC, like BC is just yeah. like a top 100 team. It's not even a ranked team. Okay. You know? I just think it boils down simply to this. On the offensive end, we're a pretty dominant, incredibly talented team. On the defensive with, end... With one glaring weakness. On offense? Yeah. The What? Like if, if outside shooting, outside shooting, which is like if you're down, if if you're like late in the game and you need threes. Okay. Well, we have some good three point shooters. I mean, why isn't why isn't Alex O'Connell in the game at the very it's, end? It's to, an excellent to question. Shoot a three, it's, we got guys. I can tell you why. <laughs> yeah, Coach K Sphincter like tightens right up, and he plays his starters. O'Connell would be yeah, like he, he perfect to that. O'Connell I mean, would be perfect. I mean, how does O'Connell only get two minutes in that BC game? So, yeah, we'll get to the BC game in a second. But the the wide view for me is that this team just isn't good enough on defense. It's not even close to good it's, enough. And they have a couple months of practice it's, before it's, the games really, really it's matter. It's trending towards really bad. And yeah. and like and, and, well, and I will and, say this. Yeah, and we can and, and I can make the counter argument. BC just got really lucky from three. They just hit every single three in the first half. It seemed like in the second half that. They okay. were they were missing, and then this game was just going to play out like all the previous games, and we we're going to pull it out. But then they got hot again at the end, and I can make that argument. But it seems like every game against a quality opponent, the other team looks like a like like you said, they look. We make other teams look like all stars. We're giving them easy baskets. Uh, no, I actually thought BC sort of uh, played. I thought they were, they obviously ran really really well in three point shooting. Uh, yeah, Fifteen of twenty six. And the mid range, the mid range shots too were were falling. the The issue is people are comfortable on offense against our defense. Uh, they the good teams just they seem comfortable. They seemed, uh, and we are clearly too comfortable letting people have open shots. Now Kai Bowman and Robinson they were making shots Chapman. with hands in their faces. Chapman. And Chapman, they, those guards played fantastic. Kai Bowman actually cooled off a lot for the second half of the game. He started off really hot, and then he missed all his other threes. But he, his numbers were fantastic. He finished super strong. He, yeah. he, you know, he went by our big guys. They they did a really fantastic job of like uh, pulling our big men out from the basket and getting the right switches and getting the right matchups that they wanted. And you know what they were really good at? They're good at taking the right guys are taking the shots right where down the stretch we didn't we didn't take enough we didn't get the ball to Bagley enough frankly Grayson Allen and 
And Duvall just shouldn't be taking all these outside these Dude, perimeter shots. Let me ask you a question about Trayvon Duvall. I know we bag yeah. on him a lot. But when he, like, squares up to shoot a three, do you scrunch up your face like you just ate something disgusting? Because I do. I want, him to take, like, like, I want him to take one or two like, threes a game to keep the defense honest. I don't want them to be in the critical moments, generally, unless it sort of has to happen. But I, I don't want him taking enough shots where it can hurt us, like, you know... Yeah, like you I, can I don't make a wide open shot. I don't know, know how can happen. I don't know how Coach K and the coaching staff addresses this because like they don't want to like take power away from the kids. They want to empower the kids. So like I don't think they're going to train saying, "Hey, listen, stop shooting threes. But they can go to him and say, "Look, we can take better shots." You know, shot right. selection is pretty big with with, with Trey. Like he sh- he shot a three with 15 seconds left when there's in no crunch time. no time left time. on the shot clock. Yeah, and it's. Gonna be the best option. It's not like that shot has no value. He's making some percentage of them, twenty percent, a little no, under it's twenty, fifteen like percent. Yeah, it's low, but it's not like it's a zero value shot. It's just a, it's a low value shot. It's as close to zero as you can get. Well, no, I mean, there's there's awful shots you can take, like when when like Grayson Grayson's driving through three people and like tries to draw a foul and like throws the ball over his shoulder or something towards the rim. That's that's a lower percentage shot when he's doesn't understand the rhythm of the game. Well, I'll, I'll just... But he, Grayson's shots in, I, in general I, are very effective. I would be so really happy... He just always forces one or two. He doesn't need to. You're talking about Grayson? Yeah. And yeah, did I mean, you hear yeah, the announcers yeah. talk about how Coach Gay would really like to see Grayson driving the ball more early in the game? Like, yeah, that's I, one of the things I, he talked I, I, about. I actually agreed with him. But you know what? He's a great three-point shooter, and I like it when he drives and dishes. And of course, I, if it's I like wide it when open. he drives and finishes. In fact, he he drove one time that was very reminiscent of the 2015 title game, where he beat his guy. It was a very athletic finish, and he got fouled on the way down. And we we were making a big right. comeback, and he was on the ground. He's yelling, "Come on!" It was like almost a carbon copy of the Wisconsin. But for every one game. of those moments, there's one where he forces it a little too much when he's got great, great like passing options around him. Yeah. And he's so I just question his decision making sometimes when he's in the lane against very you know teams that are playing good teams. I mean, he had a bad, a, a pretty a horrific few. shooting shooting day. Yeah. It's a pretty big reason why we lost. But I'm I'm actually happy with him driving, and I, I wish he would be more aggressive in actually finishing and trying to get a foul on top of that because I mean that's a high value play. If he's if it's there, of course. But he's he gets. Uh, it's always once or twice a game where I wince and just think, like, that was so, sort of embarrassing. Like, the decision-making that went into sort of forcing certain shots up. And, you know, sometimes I, they go in, but, yeah. but usually... I guess what I'm saying is I I have very little issue with Grayson's decision-making. Mm-hmm. I, I question Trey, Trey's decision-making a lot more because he's younger, and yeah. obviously he'll, he'll make more boneheaded decisions but, but again like he made, is, these he, are offensive issues and our offense was pretty darn good against bc even though i think the guards took too many shots and we didn't yeah. get it into so, the big yeah. ma- play through bagley towards right. the end and by the way do, i do, do want to say do, about duval he's do, making his free throws and i yeah. banged on him for not making free throws and having a broken shot and he's been making in the last three or four games so good for he's, him he's 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 come up with a new way to be lazy on defense he like on like in transition, he sort of allows the guy with the ball to to beat him, and then he'll do the wraparound lazy, try to like pick his pocket, you know. And he's pretty good at it. It but, works every now and then, but I I but, but yeah, I rewatched the St. Francis game just to like up 
the up my mood before this pod, and he did the exact same thing there. Right, and it's just it's just bad. You're like putting yourself out of position. Just stay in front of the guy. He's constantly out of position, or I don't know if you've been watching. I talked about it on the other podcast where he doesn't. He just stands flat-footed on defensive rebounds. I don't know if you've been watching it yeah, all. It, yeah. I, I'm still seeing it. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't box out. He doesn't even if there's no one in his space. Even sort of move towards the basket in an active way. BC guards got a lot of rebounds. A lot of rebounds. And Gary Trent, sort of guilty, and Grayson Allen is sort of guilty of the same thing. We need all of our guys to crash the boards. Like, why wouldn't you crash the boards? Like, Tradeball needs to get the ball anyways. I thought a little bit more about that. Is he possibly under instruction to leak out to to run? I don't think so. No? I mean, he may view that as his goal, as as his role as a point guard. But I think it's... it's, uh, it's Ill, uh, ill-conceived. L- let me say one other thing about the point you're making. It feels no responsibility shot. to rebound the ball is what I'm saying, you know, on defense. Um, on offense, he actually goes in and gets – he's gotten some opportunistic offensive rebounds. I know he's athletic enough to contribute on the defensive. Yeah. That's why I'm banging he had, on him. He has him, some you know? great highs. You know, even early in the BC game, it was a transition. He had a, just a beautiful bounce pass to Marvin for a layup. And he has those. His court vision is great. His assists are great. He just, he still has the, he made the tr- attempt for the behind-the-back pass, which I went, ba- went back and looked at St. Mm-hmm. Francis. It actually worked in the St. Francis game, but in BC it was a turnover, and he's still trying to do, like, some flashy type things, where if you just tone it down a little bit, it's probably the best best move. It's like making the simple play is, is good enough, and there are one, one or two times a game where he also seems like he's forcing it. But I can live yeah. with these errors of commission. And growth. Versus, versus and growth. Well, like he's got growth a, isn't going to be a straight line, you know, game to game. So I'm right, like, but I'm, I'm happy yeah. with him learning and growing from it. I if if he played like this three months down the road, I would. You know, the thought crossed my mind in this game. I'd rather Grayson just run the offense and just you know just just sit. Like sit, I said, I mean, I don't have a huge, huge problem with their play on the offensive end. They've been so, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Yeah, and. In that St. Francis game, oh my God, the offense was incredible. We could have scored 150 points, maybe. Yeah. Right. And we had a, even in BC, we scored 84 points. Right. Yeah. That's let, a lot for a college basketball let, game. Let, let and me, we shot well. Like we didn't shoot that poorly. We didn't. Grayson you know, shot really bad. A three-point shooting could have yeah. been better. But if you take so let me Grayson out. Like let me you know. let me say something real quick about the BC second half before I forget. Yeah. We were in the double bonus like five minutes into the second half. And we really didn't. It didn't seem like they we were settled, trying. We settled for. So didn't many, seem like they were so trying to take advantage reporters. of that. And like Bowman yeah. had four fouls after with ten minutes left in the game. It just didn't seem like we were pounding the ball inside. It just seemed like there was a lot of outside shooting and missing. Um, Bagley is still shooting threes. Made one, missed a couple. Like. I, I what I don't want to see from Bagley is they have he's, Bagley he's, one of four yeah. from three point range. Yeah, they, he's getting double teamed more more so. Like obviously people knew who Marvin Bagley was preseason, but ten games in, people know who he is a lot more. He's getting double teamed, and maybe I just don't want to see him like thinking that the fight in the paint is so hard that he's just going to settle for three threes, you know. Well, I I, I don't question Bagley's desire to win. On no. any level, the no. guy has an incredible motor. No. I love how competitive he is. In this game, he didn't demand the ball enough down the stretch, and he didn't 
get he, inside well, enough. I, I feel like he, he like he just he, he, he did get more shots. he did get the ball in inside. The double came quickly. There were some turnovers. There were some poor passes from Grayson. Like Grayson threw it like at his feet, which Marvin got, but then he turned it over. There was a time or two where he didn't get the ball and he really wanted it. Yeah, but but overall, like I just think on a team basis, we need to be running the offense through the T Rex because everything opens up. And I think he's actually been a, a, a pretty good passer, you know. But yeah, he didn't. He's made good passes. Yeah, especially it, to other bigs. Like I, I feel like his vision with other bigs really good. is on point because yes. he just he can see it. He can see the play develop. He can see openings. But so I if think you, I, if you that, look that's at this, why he gets the ball outside because he thinks he has court vision. He wants to be a bit of a point forward at, at times. He'll even like uh, tend towards dribbling the ball up a little more than he I, I don't necessarily like needs to. I don't to. like that. I don't like it either. I don't like the but Jason like, Tatum, Justice Winslow bringing it up when like Tyus Jones or like a point guard's calling for the ball. You know, like if, if the point guard's being covered, right. I get it. Well, Bagley wants to showcase his overall yeah, game, I right? See, that's, that's like that's, that's, what, that's what, in the back of his mind. You know, absolutely. Yeah, because that's the way the NBA game is a little bit. And he, so I understand it. But when the game's tight, the other games where we came back and we in this game we did come back and take a lead. But then I thought it was we, actually shocking. We we, we took had the lead a four too, point lead. We took the lead too early with and like then, three minutes, and then left. we got and we didn't value possessions enough. Like, I didn't love any of our possessions down the stretch. Duvall. Duvall, Duvall gets some of that credit, but, you know. It was it was a combination of a lot of things. Even yeah. with, like, a minute left, we had a one-point lead with the ball. Right. Uh, we just relied on three-point shooting down the stretch. Trent, Trent shot great. It's great to see him shooting it was great. much better. Trent, Trent had His a numbers really are coming back. good offensive game, especially the first half. But, but I still wince when, like, Bagley or Trey or Wendell Carter are chucking up threes. I just, well, here's like, the other just issue. don't like it. So, and last point I'll make on the offensive end. If we decide to, to sort of live by the three late in games, guess what? All these guys are playing. Grayson played 38 minutes. Marvin played 40. Bagley played 40. Like, they, they don't have fresh legs at the end of the game. Right. And, and here's what's frustrating. We're not playing, like, you know... The ninety-one UNLV team here, like it's not like if we put like our our subs are actually playing well, like our bench was five for five from the field in this game. They were all they played a combined twenty-seven minutes. Delorier, Bolden, and O'Connell. The starters are just logging too, and and the starters were in some foul trouble, and they still played almost every single minute. Yeah, and so if you're doing that, then you have to take advantage of the big man matchups inside down the stretch, not shoot threes, at but. You know, the defensive lapses, like, how could you not point to that a little bit uh, on a road game where we, we, we're we just, Coach K is prep and just not rotating enough. You know, I think that's pretty clear at this point. And it's disappointing because the previous games proved to me, at least, that our bench was ready to step up and play bigger roles. You know? Well, so. this is a standard. Goldwire Gold played for 10 seconds. You got yeah. him for 10 seconds? Well, he came in specifically for, <laughs> for there was like a game situation where uh, defense, we needed him for defense or yeah. for a foul, and then he was going to sub back out for like, like O'Connell. This was after, Grayson, this, this was after what, Tra- Trayvon had fouled out. Right, okay. So, Grayson got like poked in the eye or punched, or no, uh, Javin, Javin landed on his face. On his face. Right, it's, it's been a few it's days. It's actually awful. I thought it was on his wrist. But I actually, actually loved that look. I, I loved it. I, I slow-mo replayed it a few times. Yeah. He he actually I think landed near his face and then it kicked him on like with a quick, you know. Anyhow. It's also he was on the ground three he had a great defensive first half where he's just 
diving on the floor for yeah. loose balls. It's possible it happened five minutes earlier, and it just took a while for the the black guy to. Shout out to Grayson Allen, who we've banged on the defensive end for for creating three or four live ball turnovers in he's, the game. He's great, in, especially in the first half. Yeah. Uh, but the point I wanted to make is he gets he has a shiner. He's you know. There's an opportune time there. Just sit him down. Sit Grayson down for give him three to five minutes of rest each half. <laughs> but like he's look, injured. Look, it's not gonna. They gotta rush him back into the no, game. O'Connell plays for 112 seconds. He wasn't. He wasn't injured. Well, he, he, and, uh, I'm and, not injured, but he. In addition take to O'Connell getting more minutes, <laughs> I feel like the coaches should instill in him like a mentality. Like, look, Alex, you're you're like our third best shooter, outside shooter. He he plays almost like hot potato with the ball. Like he gets rid of it real quickly. He played two minutes, Peter. I get it, but when he's in like a he's a plus athlete. We couldn't guard not, the three against this team, and one of our quickest defenders, perimeter defenders, isn't playing at all. Yeah. And we're we're did you see one of the times we trotted out a lineup of it was Bagley, Delorier, and Bolden. All yeah. three guys okay. on the court right. at one time. But that's that's defending not... a, a three-point oriented team. Yeah. Like what are they thinking? Well, <laughs> have you noticed he's been doing that a decent amount? Like I would say in the last 3 or 4 games, he's trotting out three bigs, which I find very interesting, but also if Trav- if 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 uh, Duval's on the court and switching every screen. Yeah, if Duval's on the court, that really means only Trent or Grayson's out there, and they don't. That's they, right. That three big gonna be, lineup. It's going to be a spacing issue. That three big they lineup. They don't have to respect the Duvall. outside shooting. They can just collapse and, and just just pack the paint. That's exactly right. Grayson and Duvall were in the game, I believe, with the Laurier, Bolden, and Bagley. They only have to respect Grayson's. There's only one shooting. shooter. Nobody spaces the You have to floor. respect in yeah. that lineup, and even though like the the uniqueness, the novelty of playing like three six ten guys is like sort of cool. Like we can just tower over them. I it's feel like only, it's got a it's got a big drawback. It's only cool if they can space the floor on offense. Like we had a few stretches where we, we we weren't as good as we should have been on the offensive end. But you have to make up for it on the defensive glass and on defense. And when they're switching the matchups, and they're pulling Bagley and Carter out guarding three point shooters, like it's not going to work out that well. Yeah. So like yeah. I don't know why they're if they want to play three bigs, play the zone, play it. You know, yeah, in this particular in this particular game, yeah. Um, Where was they, the zone defense? They switched to zone the the last five minutes of the first half. Yeah, I've I've been actually pleasantly surprised with the two three zone relative to what I saw last year. I thought the two three zone last year was terrible. The two three zone this year has actually been pretty good. Well, it's been better but than in, our man defense because our man defense yeah. has been pretty woeful. This well, the help defense the last three years, and, I would say. But you know, in this particular game. We we went to a two three zone at the end of the first half, and I just didn't. It it looked the worst it's looked all year. Like it it always seemed like Grayson was directing a guy to go it looked, it looked to a to different me spot, like they, they didn't and they were always they were confused to as to like who should be guarding the ball and who should be helping. And they, it seemed like very tentative. Well, I th- I wonder if it's because they're just not game planning for it, and he's using it here and there as a changeup. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I mean. If this team can't learn man principles correctly, right? Last year the team obviously had struggled with it. They also struggled with zone. If this team is more geared towards zone, like I don't know why, you know, Coach K is the greatest coach of all time. Like, why can't you recognize your team's strengths and weaknesses? And if like if they continue to play man this poorly into January, 
they should strongly consider playing primarily zone against every team. Like, I don't know why you have to play men. I understand Ricky talked about how it's that's part and parcel of the Duke program and the way Coach K coaches, but but maybe these guys just can't get it. I I, I still think there's enough time. I, I think I've been waiting two years for us at, to play good defense. Look at the starters. I mean, they look at the athletes. If you just should look, be able if to you play just men. Look at them. There's yeah. just stay in front of your guy. It's not like, just stay in front of your guy. That's what they're. It, that's not the way they're stay playing. Stay in front of your guy and be cognizant of where the ball is and your responsibilities in terms None of, of health defense. Have that awareness. And then a lot of it is just Trey gets himself out of position so much that a lot of times it's four on five. It's absolutely not just Trey. It's all of them. And it's Carter and it's Bagley and it's everyone except Delorier in my mind is not playing like fully aware half-court defense. Yeah. Grayson is doing something and I thought he did it pretty well in this last game. He's forcing his man baseline a lot or giving that up it seems strategic. I think Ricky was right when he mentioned that's not Grayson's fault. Right. When nobody comes over to help. Actually, if he's I, supposed to overplay the wing, yeah, okay. I, I it looks to, like that I, is what he's trying to do. I meant to talk to you about yeah. that, um, but this is this particular pod is much later than the Ricky Price pod. Yeah. Um, I want to say after the St. Francis game, you know, Coach K in a post game interview was like, "Grayson's a very good defender," and Ricky Price said, "Grayson's a very good defender." Is Grayson on? Pretty good defender. There's times when he's a good defender, and there's times when he's absolutely not. It se- it seems like he gets beat often, but Ricky's saying that's his job is to to almost be too aggressive in applying ball pressure, and it's everyone else's responsibility to help out when he gets beat. All right. So in the '90s and the early aughts, we had incredible ball pressure all the time. We made it. People didn't want to play half court offense against us. It was uncomfortable, right? And like the the best the best half best defensive teams always make your life miserable. You don't want you're just uncomfortable the whole time. Yeah. And the difference the last five or ten years, or not all our our championship teams have played pretty good defense, right? Uh, maybe not so much the Okafor team. Actually, that team played better defense with Okafor off the court than they did when Okafor was on the that, court. That team became a very good defensive team, but I want to say it struggled. It struggled a lot. Struggled of in the early to mid stages of the year with but, defense. So. To the extent they're attempting to apply ball pressure at the point of attack or on the wings, we're, I think they're still teaching those principles. And Ricky said, hey, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. So you can't blame him. But And Grayson's the only guy who's really getting up on his man to the point where he gets Gary beat. Trent's doing a little bit of it. But there's, I, I, there's, the, there's the other parts of it. That's one part. Yeah. And if the other parts lack, that part looks really bad. Yeah. Right? If you watch NBA defenses, really good NBA defenses – they're doing the same thing. They're applying certain kind of ball pressure, and like the defense just shifts if somebody gets by someone. They almost force that action sometimes. If that's what we're doing, we're just doing it really, really unsuccessfully. Okay. And you know, then you have to blame. And we're we're talking about blaming these these freshman defenders who are talented, and we. But like it's December, and they've been practicing for. A couple of months. Yeah, I have to start and, at and some also, point in the season. Also, I'm going to start yeah. blaming the coaches. I'm going to start blaming the the team defensive strategy because you have to recognize what works and what doesn't. You have to instill these principles. These guys look like they want to learn, you know. Right, but I also think that I want to say they they, win. they almost haven't been practicing. This, They've got finals. So they yeah. got projects. They got you know this that and the other. Right. And this is been a, trap a ton, game. ton of travel. And yeah, I, it's a trap I, game. I feel like they, finals are coming up. Like this week, they're doing finals. After this week, 
they have they have basically a couple weeks where they only have the Evansville's game, and maybe they're taking a break for for Christmas. But uh, this is the point where the coaches should be able to up their game, figure things out. So when we come back in January and we're playing, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold them to account for it. Uh, I'm gonna hold the team and the coaching staff. In our stupid little podcast, I'm going to hold them to account in, in my mind about what the progress that should be achieved. Do you hold the coaching staff accountable for what happened after the timeout with 31 seconds left in the game? Tell me about it. Talk, provide your analysis. We're, <clears throat> Duvall had just scored a, a bucket, cut the lead to two. Mm-hmm. Other team has the ball, right? Yes. They inbound. We try to get a steal, but then we don't. We foul. don't foul for like 16 seconds, like really Bizarre. valuable time. This is a good, yeah. And Bizarre. and and I understand the the guy they ended up fouling is. I'm sure they were under instructions. Don't foul. I think it's Chapman who shoots like 96. percent But at some point, three you, of them, three of them, they you, all shoot really yeah, well. You just so. gotta. You just have to foul. I just like I couldn't foul quick. I couldn't believe. You gotta extend my the game. Eyes. Not only. Was it a mistake in terms of, you know, if you don't get the steal in the first five, seven seconds, then just foul whoever. But they, they burn off half the I time that's left. And then Trey, Trey like manhandle somebody who, who's off the ball. It becomes an intentional foul, which in college is a flagrant one. So, one, I didn't think Duvall actually meant to, like, Try to foul somebody to f- away from the ball. Yeah, I don't think he meant to do that. He just that. got caught up and, like, tugged at his jersey. Yeah, it was a weird, like, athletic instinct play where he's like, oh, bet this guy's getting by me, and, you know, it ended up looking bad. So, it, it, but, I, th- I thought Grayson actually did commit a foul after, like, 10 seconds, and the refs didn't call it. Yeah, I thought so, too. But at some point, you just have to... I blame the coaches in that you're asking the question. The, yeah. The coaches, it's their fault. They didn't tell... Try to steal the ball. If you don't get the quick steal... Foul, foul as quickly whoever, as whoever. you can. Yeah, yeah, because we want to. They can only make two points on a, on a free throw situation, and we do have three point shooters. But here's the other interesting thing: they make two free throws, right? And get the ball. Right, they get the ball. They, and make, then they two, make two more. Two more. They're up six. Yeah. There's still a little time left. O'Connell doesn't come into the game. Our, one of our best three point shooters. Why doesn't he come in for those last thirty seconds, or on offense at least, to? To, to be a perimeter threat, like it just doesn't make that didn't make any sense to me either. I guess, um, I mean, I know Coach K is. I, I think maybe he did because I, 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 I feel like Trey fouled out. If, okay. if not with that foul, or shortly shortly afterwards, there was a spot in the but last yeah, game I mean, or two a, where I was like, "Why isn't O'Connell on the floor?" But maybe I'm getting it wrong, so I apologize. He, he did if, come if in did, at one but, point, and I was like, "Wow, he's just coming in, and he's going to be cold." But he's still one of our best three point shooters. Yeah, it's it's a it's a. It's a shortcoming on, on the team, you know, and we're spoiled fans for saying, "Oh, look, the we whole don't, we don't context." Have the whole context is everything's fine. We're eleven and one. Yeah. We have incredible talent, but we got to talk about the game. We we almost we it was a pretty good argument. We should have three losses, yes. right, and not yes. and barely be ranked. Yes. like we should have lost well, to Texas. I, I wouldn't go that far, but we should have lost to Texas by yeah. ten. Yeah. <laughs> we should have lost <laughs> to Florida by five. You know, and or at least it should have been a close. Like the teams Portland State their gave us throws. a run for our money. The Indiana game was was actually tied with three or four minutes left. Indiana, like all yeah, these we, games, we could have, we could have easily we could easily have three losses, maybe four. Like we get credit for coming back in those games. And people are overvaluing the oh, this team's eleven and zero, and it's knocked off Michigan State and Florida. But I just feel like by our eye test, 
We play. We this played. Is, this is a good team. Hopefully, it becomes a very good team yeah. and one of the best teams. And by the but way, it's, credit, got, it's got a long ways to go. Let's give credit to the Boston College backcourt and coaching staff, and even their their uh, Euro the guy, the, the big white guy with the Euro name. I don't know if he's from Europe or not. Popovich. Uh, yeah. How do you forget that name? I don't. Greg Popovich. Not good at names. Not. I mean. But same last name as the San Antonio coach. Okay, I didn't realize it was the same name. Give them credit for just coming to ball, man. They rose to like they rose to the moment almost the entire game, except for that one stretch. They 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 made shots. They made tough shots. Kai Bowman they shot made out of their tough minds. shots. Yeah. They shot out of their minds, but they also schemed really well. A lot of their offensive strategy, I mean we're gonna see similar stuff. From other teams that if you saw where, what Indiana did to us, where you screen, so guys, a big has to guard like an outside shooter, putting multiple screens uh, in play with our you know screening screening our big men when they're out in the perimeter yeah. and forcing us to make decision after decision, and that it leads to our, it just leads to breakdowns. Confusion. Because, yeah, they look confused, they look confused. <laughs> a lot of the time, and and like Bagley is really good at certain things on defense, but there's certain he's, things he's, he's the not big good that I, he he and he's, Deloria are the guys I feel most comfortable with. Carter and Bol- and Bolden are the guys I feel least comfortable. Carter with. and Bolden out in sp- Bolden especially out like, in space. It's 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 rough. Bolden's a problem on offense too because he's a, he's he's eating the wrong kind of space without being really being an, uh, like an interior threat. And he played pretty pretty decent actually. But in this uh, game, I mean maybe you know, in the San Francisco game. In San Francis. Francis game, he had a bunch of points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the games are merging together. Bolden yeah. looked as good as he's looked in the San Francisco game. In the San Francisco game against. You know, a team that that's obviously weaker. It's like, they're like a yeah. the two hundred or two hundred fiftieth best team in the country. Yeah, I didn't realize his career high had only been eight points before that game, and that's yeah. That's, I mean, he's. I mean, didn't play much last year, but that's still kind of crazy. We've played so many games against bad teams that he should have had a game where he did what he did. Yeah, we've. You know? I, I feel like we've we've dealt with Bolden in our analysis with with kitty gloves on. Uh, yeah. You know, we should have some frank discussions about. Marquise. So I'm going to also give a shout out to Javin Delorier for playing his ass off, being an efficient, really great role player yeah. on both ends of the court. Yeah. You know, he picked up a charge. He, he, he knows his role, he, and he does his, does it well, and he just like, he doesn't leave anything out there. I don't know why he's not... Oh, Lays he, it all on the line. Yeah, he would have played more in this game, I guess, if he didn't have the, all the fouls, but I, I like that they just, they just played him until he fell out, right? Like... Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, uh, just looking at his help defense just makes me wonder about the other guys. And I'm just hoping, that, you know, I'm still hoping they're going to spend the next few weeks after finals uh, just break, breaking stuff down for these guys, and they're going to get it, and they're going to start, start to come together a little bit. Um, any hopefully, other? Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. This, so, because this is, it's, it's trending, this is a very similar trajectory for a Duke team. Freshman laden team, offense is fantastic because I want to say that's what these blue chippers have always just focused on. Like yeah, they just you know they can score. All Coach K's teams can score, but the defense is just it's like we've got the 70th best defense. It's just and it keeps going lower and lower and lower every time we meet. It's like the 35th best defense, then the 45th, then the 50th. Now it's the 70th. It's going the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, uh, and if it continues, it's not going to bode well for you know. Our obvious aspirations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think we're going to be a contender no matter what. But I, I don't. I'm not enjoying watching. I'm not enjoying watching them as much as I should because 
Really? The, the glaring defensive mistakes. It bothers me. You know? I I down the stretch of this game, like I was just God, maybe we should lose this game. We need to lose one of these games if they're not learning the lessons. But again, they haven't had a lot of time to practice. So yeah, uh, Ricky said like he was hoping they'd lose a game or two. It'd be good for them, right? Uh, and uh, you know when he came on. And uh, by the way, if anyone, any of you guys didn't listen to to the Ricky Price sort of season update, it's really more of this kind of analysis. Ricky's perspective on what you know what they're trying to accomplish on the defensive end and sort of the team concepts I thought was was really insightful. So yeah. I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. We talked about he talked about like the, the most recent three or four games last week, the PK tournament and uh, you know, he's just a pleasure to listen to his basketball analysis. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? I mean I you know, on the B C game or, or sort of generally about the the play, the recent play? I'm sad that we lost. <laughs> It, it, it's you know, definitely a bummer. Because like, so. even though it doesn't matter, I mean, it's going to matter. Like, this could, depending on how many games we lose, it could bump us from like a two seed to a three seed or or whatnot. Like, every game matters, you know. And yeah. it's well, we got fifteen more ACC games. I think was it, is it eighteen games now or sixteen. We have a bunch more ACC games. And listen, if we get through the ACCs, only losing three or four games, that means that's the total number of losses in the season. We're probably going to be a one seed. <laughs> so. That that's what they have to be able to do. They have to beat these kind of teams and not have it come down to the stretch. Like not not have it come down to a small sample size of possessions at the very end of the game because that's the position you're putting yourself in or a bad call. Do you think this team's going to go 15 and three or 14 and four in the conference? Uh, I do. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to get it together. Okay. But I I don't think they're going to go. I think that would be a very good season. That would be that'd be fantastic. It would mean they learned a good amount. I mean, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, these teams are playing well. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, Virginia. Yeah. And, I, I mean, so, and these teams are so, well coached, yeah. too. Right. And Louisville even like we, still has. You we know, lost, but to, to keep some measure of perspective, like all these really good teams lost, and a lot of them lost two, and some of them lost three. So, you know. And to the coaching staff and to the individual players we're, we're talking about, prove us. Prove us wrong. Go out there. Get it done. Get it done on the defensive end. Get it done in transition defense. I will say the transition D looked looked like a, a little better than it did in the, in the previous few <laughs> And games. running back? Yeah, they weren't getting like tons of easy baskets in transition. Yeah. Maybe some three-point looks. but I thought Grayson was great. And I will, I will say this. I actually thought their defense wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it had been. There weren't as many easy baskets as there were against Indiana. Like, it... You know, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, it was like symptomatic. Some of the symptoms are still there, but you know, it might have been because BC just didn't run run offense quite as well. They just made shots better. I felt like we did get a little unlucky in this game. I feel like we really deserved yeah. to lose against Indiana or or Texas, and that in this game we just we probably deserved to win. We probably played well enough to win. They just made. Too many they, they shots that they normally you know, wouldn't. Coach make. K afterwards, like, Contested look, shots. they played fantastic. They did. You know, it's and, this is not about us being terrible. Like, obviously, we have a lot of room to improve, especially yeah. on defense. But this is really just about BC playing out of their minds and and playing out of their minds the whole game. And if we had played well on defense and none of these other things existed before this game, I would get on here and be like, let's not worry about this one. That team played out of their mind and they made all those shots. But the fact that all these teams seem to be 
making shots against <laughs> us is not a great sign. Yeah. I, I will say one more like sort of technical point on defense. I'm noticing like the contests on the three point shots. They're just coming up like just a little short. I wonder if there's like a like an execution issue with sort of just they just they just need a split like the hand relocated just a little closer to the to the ball. Like it's not bothering the three point shooters like it should. Like if you're closing out properly, you're you're causing like a little bit of fear and confusion in the shooter's mind, a little bit of anxiety that their their shot's going to get blocked, or, or something you know is not it's going to make for a, a difficult sort of release, uh, and I don't really see that happening consistently, except for once in a while Bagley or, or Delaria. Yeah, but, uh, but they're they're also the longest probably. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, so you know, I, I think the effort level is there. I just think they're 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 not quite uh, executing uh, certain defensive principles. So, um, so what else is going on, Peter? <laughs> We got we have uh, Evansville coming up on the twentieth. Uh, you know, not not a big not not you know it's the only game between now and the thirtieth. Yes. Uh, so a lot of practice, a lot of downtime. I think we're gonna do an episode uh, with Devin uh, Devin Gordon from GQ. He's gonna come on and he loves the NBA. He loves he's really riled up about all the how well everybody from Duke's playing in the NBA. He's gonna hopefully Quinn, come Quinn on. Cook. Qu- yeah, Quinn starting Cook. because Steph is injured. Like, Quinn Cook started one game. Okay. <laughs> you know, he got a spot start. I think it was – it's great. It's fantastic. Against your team? He's – no. Was it against – No. Okay. He started, uh, you know, he started the game for the Warriors, played a significant um, amount of how, minutes. How amazing is it for him that he's just what sort of like a journeyman, sort of struggling, and now he's starting a game for potentially one of the best teams of all time. And I understand, like, what he's, an opportunity. he's got a role and yeah. whatnot. Uh, what an opportunity for him. And then he even played significant minutes off the bench in the last game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, could be he winds up with a role if he if he earns it. Could be there's no room for him to make a, have a permanent role there, but he's auditioning for all the other teams. Now, we'll see how he does with it, but it's fantastic. Good for him, yeah. man. Big round of applause for Quinn Cook. Like Draymond Green saying, like, I can't believe like some other team hasn't signed him. Like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to, like, clue in other teams. I didn't see how, that how good this guy is. And yeah. then I also didn't know that, you know, Kevin Durant, he, you know, grew up in the D.C. area, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. area. Yeah. And so they have actually, they played against each other when they were little kids. Okay. And so there's a, like an older brother type of relationship there. I mean, so it's a, it's a great fit for him. As we've discussed, he's well known and respected amongst the players in the league. Like, you know, we went to Summer League and he was glad handing talk. He was hanging out with LeBron. Like, he knows it, it, it's... It's been a surprise that he hasn't gotten really like much of a chance, and it has to do with upside and the way player, way teams view youngish players. But at a certain point, if he's going to produce, he's going to produce. So great. Yeah. And the other big thing that happened is uh, Jalil Okafor finally got traded off the 76ers oh, yeah. uh, to the Nets. In a now this indicates how how, how much value other you know the NBA GMs put in Okafor. He was traded along with Nick Stauskas and a second-round pick for uh, Trevor Booker. For Trevor Booker, who's like a pretty, pretty you know, he's an okay role player. Yeah, um, I, read I read he's about he's thirty league, league average for his for yeah. what he does. He's uh, he's a hustle player. He's a scrapper inside. He actually was from Clemson. Yeah, and um, he was in the, he was very good in the last year of his contract. He makes some money. 
So they had a match contracts that I think the Sixers are going to play. Booker's actually had a good first couple of games. Okafor has not yet played for the Nets. They had their next game in Mexico City, and I don't think he wanted that to be his first oh, game. So they're playing multiple games in Mexico City? No, they just had the one, but like okay. there was like a day or two off between the that, that special trip. Yeah. So like the day they traded them, that night they had a game. He didn't obviously didn't play in that one, wasn't with the team yet. Uh, then they didn't want him to probably go to Mexico. It didn't make sense for that to be his first game. Uh, it's going to be what, interesting to see what, what, what his role is. On what the are your Nets. expectations for him with the Nets? My expectation is, you know, it's going to be partly based on practice, but that they're going to give him playing time, that he's going to get an opportunity. Coming off the bench, like 15, 20, I imagine at the beginning game. he would have come off the bench, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was starting you know, a bunch of games for them. Why not? The Nets have nothing to lose. They're yeah. not a playoff team. They also um, don't have their pick right next year. Oh, they don't have their pick, so they don't have to tank. But if they did have to tank, that would be a, you know, a good proven strategy on tanking is to start Julie Lope for as your center. <laughs> Sixers won ten games it's harsh. a year. He That's started. Harsh. It's harsh, but like, <laughs> there's nothing. There's just nothing to lose either way for them. Their goal but, is probably but, player development. No, but player th- development. Th- there is going to give young guys a there chance. There is a downside to, to though, right? If he's too he's, good, then it's going to cost more to sign him, right? If he's too good, what are the odds of that? What are the odds everybody's what are the this odds wrong? That he's he's about like fantastic. Okafor? He's if he's so like like I think there's some Duke fans on Twitter or just that listen to us that think of Okafor a certain way as like the next Tim Duncan still, like <laughs> the best low post player ever, you know, in his generation or something like that, you know, because he did put up good counting stats his rookie year. With the Sixers, like seventeen and seven, and his shooting percentage was decent, right? It was just all of his advanced metrics were were just off the charts awful, okay. and so there's a disconnect, and this is like, and I think in, in Okafor's mind too, and probably his dad and his camp, there's a disconnect between what he feels like he contributed, and versus what sort of NBA intelligentsia feels he proved when he was on the court, yeah, and. And I think it, that plays out in, in fans' minds too. And as, I was conflicted watching it because he's making smooth moves. He's putting the ball in the basket, and like he still has his offensive rep- arsenal. He scored twenty-five or thirty points in a bunch of games. They did. You're talking his rookie year. His rookie year, sophomore year, he had a few good games. He had some good games too. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Just less. Jaleel Okafor is like a black hole for this podcast. Anytime we get started on yeah, Jaleel, you, we end up spending like eighteen minutes yeah, talking. We're gonna about, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Jaleel, the rest of the. Dukies in the NBA. Why don't we just give with a, Devin? Let's give a quick shout out. Podcast. Yeah, so that that'll be yeah. relatively soon. Let's give a quick shout out to Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley, Arizona State Coach knocked Arizona off Kansas State. in Kansas, and I believe he has another quality win, like they beat Xavier or somebody like that. So they're currently undefeated and you know top top five. Yeah, and they don't you know. This is his third year there at Arizona State. He he was at Buffalo for just for two years, and in the second year they won the conference, and they went to the NCAA tournament, and he was sort of like a, a media darling. But, I mean, Bobby Hurley strikes us as, like, how could he not be a fantastic coach? He's so intense. He's so driven. And his dad is one of the greatest high school coaches of all time. St. Anthony's. And it, it, it's interesting that they sort of live outside the Duke coaching tree. His brother Danny is a college basketball coach as well. And... Uh, it just feels, even though they're obviously part of the program, they don't they don't necessarily seem as a, he didn't start with Duke as an assistant, right? The, right but there, neither of them did. But there are a lot of people. Yeah. Like, is, look, is there a chance Bobby Hurley ends up being 
the you know Coach K's replacement? Is there some like dark horse chance he, he ends up being the would, best coach out of all the Duke former he, players? He would have to be the second replacement. The first replacement is clearly going to be. We think it's Cable. Mr. Cable. He's just waited too long. <laughs> He's waited too long. He could have left. You know. You just you just never know, I guess. But yeah, you definitely never know. Yeah, the the the, the lightning rod on Arizona State's this guy Trey Holder. Who uh, I've heard really, you know, people are raving about him. He's filling it up. He's uh, he's a real NBA prospect. He just has an all-court game. Okay. Um, so he's he's the guy. Him and I guess Shannon Evans, who's more of a, uh, you know, they're, they're, they got a really dynamic backcourt. I mean, going uh, going back to Hurley and you know why is. I, I wouldn't view him as being outside the program. Not outside the program, like, but he like, didn't look, come up through. Yeah. Uh, you know, but look at Jeff Capel. You know, yeah. if he hadn't um, stumbled and and uh, like fail is too strong of a word, but if he hadn't stumbled at Oklahoma, you, we'd be saying the same thing about him. Like, oh, he didn't come to Duke. He just went straight to like Old Dominion, then VCU, and sure. then he got his own big time program. It's just well, it's almost you know, as if like look at you know yeah he's he's from a coaching family, so he can probably get in. Either with his dad or his brother, which is what happened with um, with Bobby. Bobby coached under Danny for a few years. I mean, for all I know, Coach K and and Bobby are on the phone all the time, and they have a really close relationship. And he's a mentor in a coaching sense as well as you know the other Hurleys in his life. But Bobby has to be one of Coach K's favorite. It must be right. Point, like he loves point guards, right? Yeah, I wish I had and, a little more. And, and, like, and Bobby Hurley's like half Polish. There's, there's no, that I connection. Mean, I mean, I can only imagine after Bobby's accident that Coach K was there. I just don't no, know. He was I, don't, there. I don't remember. He was there. Yeah, yeah, he flew out there. All right, good, good. So, I mean, Bobby, Bobby's one of the greatest point guards in college basketball history. Period. If not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, what, what, you know. He obviously is all Duke through and through in terms of his legacy. All I mean to say is that he, he didn't start on a Duke staff. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys, they're on the they're on the Duke bench with Coach K for five, ten years. You know, the, what's interesting is none of them have been successful enough to just be a lock in everybody's mind. Like Roy Williams should have been a lock to succeed Dean Smith. You know, then again, Dean Smith, he wasn't the successor. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, something to, a conversation for another day. Good for Arizona State. Good for Bobby Early. Uh, Apparently, Bobby the advanced metrics think Arizona State is trash. Okay. They are similar to us. Great offense. That Terrib- game was in Kansas? Terrible defense. They knocked out Kansas, but they shot lights out. Like, they shot over 50% from three. They run and gun. They just they out outscore their opponents, but it's... Generally, like a poor formula if your defense is that bad. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, obviously cool. hoping for him, pulling for him. Uh, real quick, how are the other? Uh, while we're on the subject, how's how's Northwestern and and Marquette doing this year? Chris, under Chris our Collins is potential fraud, potential fraud alert. That's a little harsh. What's what's happening? Uh, what's happening with Northwestern? Just having them down here. Five and four, bunch of losses, and it didn't seem like they were losing to. Good teams. Okay. Uh, Marquette is seven and three, and uh, the losses have been pretty decent against two ranked teams and uh, against Georgia. Marquette actually beat Wisconsin by nineteen. You don't see Wisconsin getting getting drilled like that. They lost um, everyone though, and I'm, and I, they beat VCU too. So I think I read Ethan Half is struggling. Marquette's in there as the man. 
Yeah. To be the man, I mean. Yeah, so, uh, cool. Good check-in on the, the Duke periphery coaches. You want to talk real briefly about, like, who are the other top teams? Top teams in, in the, the country? country? Yeah. I mean, it seems to be pretty open. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of talented freshmen around the country. I mean, Arizona came in as one of the most talented teams with DeAndre Ayton and, uh, I know they had a really poor start. Like, we're banging on Duke for not playing They lost good defense. back to back to back. They lost three straight games. <laughs> they, they were a top five team. Uh, and I, I think they're still probably going to be okay. There's a plenty of room right. to grow and learn for these young teams. But, but like... And, all, and like, and, look, look at Florida. Florida lost back to back to back. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like Villanova... Villanova, Villanova is, is uh, every year. Yeah, but it's it's not like they've got they've got upperclassmen. They've got guys who've played in the Final Four, won a national championship game. McCall Bridges, Jalen Brunson. They've had Phil zero Booth, one and done. All these, yeah, all these guys, <laughs> so, and they play great both ways. Great offense, great defense. They're they, they knock off a very good Gonzaga team in uh, Jimmy V uh, game up in uh, New York. Um, feel like Michigan State is getting a ton of love but Michigan State's playing better now yeah you know and you know, it's not like they played that poorly against us really uh, but what's amazing about Villanova is yeah no no five-star guys maybe like I want to well, say they have no Brent. one and duns right I guess you know they get they, they do get, they, they do get, get, a few, they they get, get some a few good like big big time guys have, but, but it's not like it's not recruits. like the whole team is is guys like that that we get but Basically, the four years before, they're 9-0 this year, and they're ranked in the top five. The pre- previous four years, they, they didn't have a year where they lost more than five games. Yeah. Uh, now, they only won the one national championship and didn't go to any other Final Fours. But, but man, do they play. Like, are they cohesive year over year with their defensive principles uh, in, this, in the way we used to be a little bit? Uh, right. You know, but that's what we lose, I guess. Right. We, we lose some of that culture that experience that defensive experience and um yeah we i mean we talked about yeah that was another you know fierce again you know good for them we talked about that briefly with ricky in terms of like looking at the past title winners and final four teams the more experienced upperclassmen types the villanovas maybe the unc this year maybe kansas uh wichita state all these guys are you know it'll be nice to see how yeah. it all plays out. Yeah, the, the more experienced teams definitely have that that cohesion that can only sort of be gained through these you know years of year after experience. year. Like all yeah. that's got to be worth a lot because these. It's a great sort yeah. of juxtaposition of like Kentucky Duke. Yeah, we should be able Arizona to figure out versus those teams, and we have Cal's always pulling out. out his hair early in the season because they're kids mm-hmm. and they there's so many growing pains. Yeah, I and, feel like uh, we got a little bit lucky, you know, winning all those games. The Florida went and lost a couple of games after us. So, yeah. like that law, that win, which should you know, could have easily been a loss, we were like, "Wow!" That like after the game, Coach K is like, "That's an amazing team, right?" But then they lose a couple of games. So, like, how good were they? Did we make them look good? These are your open questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, Florida actually did knock off uh, Gonzaga in like a triple overtime. I remember they seeing they that on Thanksgiving. Tough, it was they played good. a tough schedule, but it's not like they are, you know, they're they're not a top five team. It wasn't like they were sneaky. They should have been a top five team. They lost they lost three straight games. 
Florida State beats them by double digits, yeah. you know, and they lose to... Florida State and Miami could be very good uh, in the ACC this year. Yeah, they lost to the Loyola Chicago Ramblers, who are good this year. <laughs> but, um, you know, we you're right. We're not a dominant team. I still think we could be. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's gonna be, West Virginia's good again under Bob Huggins. Yeah. That guy. Man, we could use that guy as a defense. Everyone coach. has their system. Everyone has their principles. Yeah. You know, Huggy Bear has the whole... You know, crazy press, create an insane percentage of turnovers. You know, yeah, Coach I, K, Mike Bray teaches offense, but some, somehow the defense is tailed off. Jay Wright somehow has a great offense and a great defense seemingly every year. Jay Wright, man. Jay Wright is, uh, and he's the best dress coach in college basketball. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Are we good? I think we're good. Yeah. We'll, uh, and stay tuned for the uh, upcoming. Dukies in the NBA pod. Yeah, we're going to do that. We'll probably release it towards the end of the week or maybe early next week if it takes us a little while to get the interview done. But, um, but yeah, we figure it's a good time sort of down, during the down period to do that. And then um, probably won't be another one till uh, after the Florida State game. So that's the other thing we can mention. We play Florida State at home on December 30th, and that's the game. Where that, that's a big game. You think, that'll, State, you think that'll be a big test? Florida State is tough. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's at home, right? Florida State hasn't lost a game. They probably haven't played anybody. They beat Florida by, you know, 15. So they haven't played a lot of tough competition, but, um, but they, you know, they're winning. <laughs> they're winning. They have a lot of confidence against us because they've had some wins against but us lost all in their the recent guys. past. All the guys who tormented us. They lost. They lost. Couple of the guys and Jonathan, Xavier, I- Rathon, Mays, Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac left. He only played one year there. Yeah, but they have they have uh, they have a super frosh again. You know they recruit well. Okay, uh, I'll have to study up on Florida Florida State. To, okay, to so know a big who test end of the year. Something yeah. to look forward to. And uh, Florida State has size. Just like glancing at their roster, they have two seven footers. Um, oh, do they still have that guy? <laughs> that one guy? Uh, no, that guy was a fifth year senior. Last year's guy that killed us on those screens. You're talking about was that this guy? Yeah, whatever. Was that Florida State the guy who just That's like him. played the game of his life? Is it his head looked humongous? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to see any any more uh, seven footers like screening and rolling to the rim and being unstoppable. I don't. I don't think we're gonna have the same problems this year with those kinds of guys. Yeah. I think this year we really have to worry about it's, the guards, the, yeah, the ball just, screens with just the guards. Just a different team. Yeah. You know? And Coach K has talked about it. Yeah. I mean, look, the secondary the, the strength, of, the strength strength of our team are the bigs, and we have to evolve and, and, and grow by u- utilizing that as our strength. Yeah. You know, usually it's uh, it's usually the other way around. Usually our strength is just a bunch of shooters. It's going to be interesting to see how we come out against Florida State in 19 days. Are we going to be playing some zone? Are we going to play some more zone? Are we just going to hard commit to man? And are they going to be over-helping instead of under-helping? Are they going to be sort of making life tougher on drivers, making them confront earlier decisions like it's not just helping at the basket it's what Ricky was talking about it's diverting them before that point you know right now it's like they beat their guy they get right to the rim you know and either we've come over to help or we haven't and most of the time we haven't come over fast enough I saw a quote somebody somebody posted this on on Twitter I thought it was really good I think it was Ben Falk from uh, cleaningtheglass.com he said the best basketball players in the world anticipate and don't react if you're reacting, then you're already behind the late. game. Yeah. You're already too late, right? And so 
it, it, it's games, it's, it's film study, it's knowing the tendencies of your opponents. And like, in order to do that, you have to be humble and prepared. That's what I want to see from this team, you know, in the ACC schedule. I want to see them humble and prepared on defense and aware. Humble, prepared, and aware. Sounds like a fortune cookie. Um, almost right. I feel like you're. Yeah. We just we're just gonna. Um, Evansville is like an easy win. I'm overlooking Evansville, <laughs> which is not, which <laughs> I am mean, officially overlooking. A lot of top ten teams have uh, lost to teams like Evansville. Like they just overlook. Yeah, not in Cavern Indoor. Okay. Yeah, not in Cavern. Let's look up Evansville real fast. <laughs> Evansville is eight and two. Uh oh. <laughs> That's not good. I mean. All right. I'm sca- I'm officially scared of Evans. Notre now, Dame lost to Ball State, and like Florida loses to Loyola Chicago. I mean, you know what? Evansville hasn't beaten anybody. They haven't beaten anyone. Their best win is Fresno. They beat Binghamton, NC Central, Arkansas State. All right, so Bowling nothing, Green, Canisius. nothing to worry about. I, I am not worried about Evansville. Look, we're gonna over. You're going on the record, huh? Yeah, they got no shot. Okay, we're gonna cream that team, but. I'm I'm definitely worried about Florida State, and I'm 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 excited. I'm always excited to see how we grow and improve. All right. Yes. All right. Thanks uh, for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This is a. I'll come back at you soon, hopefully. All right. Hopefully we are, we're not going to be discussing any more losses ever. Yeah, we might not lose another game. Still ten percent. Optimism. We're coming back for no reason. It's funny. I got real optimistic about the team. After we almost lost all these other teams, like we should have lost those games, and I came away thinking, well, you know, I, just, I don't I never lose. I just never, like, I couldn't understand <laughs> how you no could reason. watch all these games critically and think <laughs> this team could. Because how could they could, play could that? Do how could they keep playing that? How could they keep defense? almost losing, and then you get people are thinking this team could go, you know. Anyway, all right, guys. Thank you.